to look up. Choosing to look up. In Psalms 121 and verse number 1, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I like the way he said that. He said from the Lord, but he wanted to take it a little step further and let everybody know I'm talking about the one that made heaven and earth. There possibly might be somebody out there named Lord. There may be somebody that claims to be a Lord. But there's only one that created heaven and earth. <laughs> and David wanted to make sure that we understood that. And I'm so glad that he wrote that verse of Scripture that it reminds us to look up, lift up our eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And thank you, Brother Javi, uh, for leading our service. Thank you, praise singers and musicians. Always sounds great. There are only four times in the King James Version of the Bible where we find the statement, look up. Yes, I said four times. One of those times, David said to the Lord in Psalms chapter 5 and verse number 3, My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will, will I direct my prayer unto you. And notice what he says. And look up. David was trying to get the Lord to understand and to notice that in the morning time, before everything starts moving, before I get so involved with my duties, and before I get stretched out with all of my obligations, I want you to understand, Lord, that I am praying to you in the morning time, and I am looking up toward heaven because I know that's where your power has come from. Then in Psalms 40 and 12, David says, For innumerable evil, evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. David was reminding the Lord that my iniquities have come against me. They're innumerable. They're about me. And they have taken hold upon me. But then David says, but I have looked up. He said, they are more. Uh, he said, I am unable to look up. When he was praying to God in the morning, he said, I could look up. 
But when those pressures came on him, when those innumerable evils compassed him, and iniquities was fighting against his flesh, he said, I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. It appears to me that from these two, two verses of Scripture, that when David was praying, it was easy for him to look up. But when innumerable evils had compassed him about, his iniquities had taken hold of him, David says, I'm not able to look up. I'm guessing that when those evil iniquities took hold of David was when he stopped looking up to God in prayer. He began to focus more on the iniquities, more on the problems that uh, he was dealing with, more on the things that were present in this world than looking up to God as he had done in prayer. I want to tell somebody today, life is filled with problems. You will have problems. You may not be having problems right now, but just wait till next week. Problems will probably come knocking on your door. All of us have problems. Nobody is exempt from the problems of life. All of us have things that agitate us and upset us. There are people that upset us and agitate us. Can I get an amen? There are things that just really ruffle our feathers in this life. And we have to deal with it on a regular basis. Can I recommend to you that when it becomes, uh, the iniquities abound and it becomes almost impossible to stand on your own, you need to look up to the hills. You need to lift up your head and look toward God and say, God, I'm going to keep praying to you. I'm going to keep believing you. I'm still going to believe that you are all powerful and almighty to work in my life. How many times does the prospective change when people stop praying and start seeing their problems? It's easy for us to do that. It's easy to get negative when the money's not coming in. When you get the pink slip that says you no longer have a job. It's easy to be overwhelmed when your spouse says, I don't think we're going to be able to make it and it's time that we split up. It's easy for you to see those things and be influenced by them and it will affect you in a negative way. And that's why I say that we need to look up. We need to realize that God is still on the throne. He's still all-powerful. He still has everything thing in control. He's still in the life changing business and he wants to do that for somebody right now. 
I truly believe that somebody that the Holy Ghost is speaking to you out there uh, on FaceTime Live in your home. I believe God is stirring some people up uh, and he is moving in their lives uh, and you need to get a hold of that. Uh, you need to look up to God and say, all right, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. Okay, God, I'm ready to open up the door of my life. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give you my life I'm ready for a change when other people take a long time to do something we just say they're slow when we take a long time we're thorough when others don't do something they're just plumb lazy when we don't do something we're too busy when they succeed in life they're lucky when we succeed, we deserve it. <laughs> it all depends on how you look at life and how you look at other people and situations as to how you accept it or reject it. One day a father of a very wealthy family sent his son on a trip to the country and he wanted to show his son how poor people lived. Some of you are thinking, well, he just should have come to Tyler, come by my house. The son spent a couple of days and nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor family. Upon the son's return, the father asked, well, son, how was your trip? And he said, oh, father, it was just wonderful. Did you see how Poor people live, the father asked. Oh yeah, I saw that, father. Well, tell me, what did you learn from the trip, asked the father. The son answered, he said, well, father, I saw we have one dog in our house and the poor people had about four or five. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden and they have a creek that just has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden and they have the stars and the moon at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go out of sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. We buy our food, they grow their food. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have many friends to protect them. The boy's father was speechless. Then the son added, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. Sometimes it's the perspective of the person that's viewing the situation as to how it really affects us. Some people can look at a situation and it can look horrible and bad. And another person can look at it and say, that's not so bad. I believe I can handle that. 
Some people will look at it and become frustrated and cannot figure out a solution. And other people will look at it and say, oh, I'd love to have a chance at figuring that problem out. One, of, one time there was a pastor by the name of Pierce Harris from Atlanta, Georgia, and he was asked to preach to some prisoners in a prison. I've done that myself. And I was preaching in Wyoming State Penitentiary back in the 70s. And I preached there several nights. And one of the nights, the title of my message was Jailbreakers. It's a wonder they let me come back. One of the prisoners got up to introduce Pastor Harris. And these were his words. He said, several years ago, two boys lived in a town in North Georgia. They went to the same school. They played together and attended the same Sunday school. One dropped out of Sunday school and he said that was just sissy stuff. The other boy kept going to Sunday school. One of the boys rejected Jesus Christ. And the other boy accepted Jesus. The boy who rejected Christ is standing here making this introduction today. And he was an inmate. And the boy who accepted Christ is the honored guest preacher who is preaching to us today. In the 1950s, most people thought that crime was caused by a person's environment. I probably thought that myself. How they were raised, where they were raised, whether they were poor or middle class, were they mistreated and abused, and the list could go on. So a, a psychologist by the name of Stanton Somino, Somino and a psychologist, a psychiatrist named Samuel Yochelson believed in this philosophy. There had never been a scientific study to confirm that these facts and these beliefs were either true or false so these two men began a 17-year study involving thousands of hours of clinical testing of 250 inmates in Washington, D.C. to try to prove this theory. But to their astonishment, they discovered that the cause of crime cannot be traced to our environment, to poverty, oppression of criminals. Instead, crime is the result of individuals making wrong moral choices. 
1977, they wrote a book, The Criminal Personality, where they documented, documented their research and they concluded that the answer to crime is con conversion of the wrongdoer to a more responsible lifestyle. So in other words, a solution to crime is like the song that we used to sing in Sunday school. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. And be careful, little mind, what you think. One of the problems that we have as human beings is that we usually operate within the realm of our five senses. If we can't taste it, if we cannot touch it or smell it or hear it or see it, then it's really not there for me. It is for this reason that we have so much trouble trusting God simply because we can't perceive Him with our five senses. You cannot see God. You cannot touch Him. And so because of that, we have problems believing God and in many cases even believing in God. God sent the prophet Elisha or Elijah to tell Hezekiah king. He said, go tell the king to set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And that's all he told him, Brother Javi. He goes in and gives him that message and tells him, set your house in order. You're about to die. And Hezekiah believed it and started weeping. Turned his face to the wall and started weeping. And then he got to praying. And he started reminding God of how faithful he had been. He began to remind God how he cleaned out the idols and he set everything in proper perspective. And while he was praying, God stopped the prophet Isaiah before he got very far and sent him right back to Hezekiah to tell him that God has changed his mind. And he goes back and he looks at Hezekiah and he says, here's what the Lord says. I have heard thy prayers. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I would deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. 
I would have been shouting about that time. I would have been excited if the Lord, I wouldn't mind him doing that to me right now. I'd like to know I was going to live 15 more years. That would be exciting to me. And here's what Hezekiah said unto Isaiah. What shall be the sign that the Lord's going to heal me? Uh, it's amazing to me that when Isaiah told Hezekiah that he was going to die, he believed it immediately and started weeping and feeling sorry for himself and boo-hooing and crying and complaining and, and trying to just get, he just got himself all worked up because he told him he was going to die. Now God said he was going to give him 15 more years and Hezekiah What's the sign that you're going to do that, God? Why is it so hard for us to believe God in some areas, but in the negative? You know, if I told y'all right now, one of y'all, God spoke to me, I've been praying and fasting, and one of y'all is going to win a million dollars this week. Everybody say, well, it's not me. I won't get it to be Nick. And then if I were to say, God just spoke to me and I feel real, real serious about this because I know I heard from God. He said that somebody in this building is going to get cancer and die. And every one of you thinking, oh God, it's me. You know you would. Every one of you would think it was you. Why is it that positive messages from God, we have trouble with it? Negative messages, we just believe it. I'm telling you, what we need to do is look up. Get our mind off of the things that we're involved in that are overwhelming us, that are coming around us, and start looking up to the hills from whence cometh my help. He could believe the negative report, the death report, but he couldn't be believe the positive life report. See, the problem with we humans is that we can't see God. If we could see God, we would have no trouble trusting Him. If we could hear Him speaking to us in an audible voice, well, most of us would. Some of us would probably die right then. If we heard that voice, we'd just kick out. If we could hear Him speaking in an audible voice, we'd be much more inclined to put our faith in him. Many times we feel like Job. He said in chapter 9, verse 32, For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon us both. So because I can't see God or hear him or touch him, it's easy for me to forget that God is so near to me. It's easy for me to forget that he desires to work 
in and on my behalf. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, For we walk by faith, not sight. We don't walk with God because we see so many things. We walk by faith with God because we believe so many things. I truly want to declare to this church tonight that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a believer in the mighty God. I walk by faith. But somewhere along the way, problems start coming and dominating our lives. Fear starts knocking on our door. But somewhere along the way of life, I have to start looking through the eyes of faith. The second problem that we humans have is that we can see our problems. We can't see God. We cannot see the answer to all problems. We cannot see Him personally and physically. We can see His handiwork. And we can feel his presence, but we can see, literally see our problems. My problems assault my five senses on a regular basis. Amen. I can see them. I can hear my problems. I can touch them. They're so very real to me. They occupy our horizon. They invade our serenity. They dominate our thoughts. They plunder our peace of mind. They are ever before us, mocking us. They greet us in the morning when we wake up. They steal our sleep away from us at night. They challenge us all day, every day. They remind us that we are not in control of our own destiny. That we are at the mercy of our problems. And most, when most of us look out into the valley of life and we see our giants standing there, that's where our gaze stops. We stop with our focus on the problem and we forget that standing behind our problem who is a God that's greater than any problem we will ever face in this life. He's bigger than any mountain that we may have to climb and he is stronger than any enemy that comes against us. We need to stop looking at the problems of life and start looking at the problem solver. We need to stop looking down at life and its problems and start looking up toward heaven and lift up our eyes because that's where our help's going to come from, the Lord. Raise up your eyes.
rise a little higher. Get your eyes out of the valley. Quit looking down. Start looking up and say, Jesus, you're in control of my life. Jesus, you're on my throne. Jesus, I love you. David got a good look at Goliath before he ever went out there. He got a good look at him. And by the time David arrived on the scene, Goliath had already been stepping out into the valley and up on the hills and screaming out, breathing out threats against the people of God now for about 40 days. Saul and his mighty warriors would see that Philistine, that giant, nine foot six inches tall. And that's where their gaze would stop. They could never get around the threat. They could never get around his size. They could never get around his booming voice as it echoed across that valley like thunder. They could never bring themselves to believe the promise of God that he would deliver them from this uncircumphilistine. They could never get their gaze above the valley, above the problem. It filled their horizon, and that's where their focus stopped, their hope stopped, their faith stopped, and their courage stopped right there. Saul and his army and David were both looking at the same giant. The same man was standing and had been there 40 days slandering their God and their nation. They watched him for days and David was looking at the same giant that Saul was looking at. Yet Saul had already decided that the giant was just too huge to eliminate. Sometimes we get problems in our life and they just look too big for us to overcome them. It's too massive. Sometimes even in our finances, it can be in the thousands. And we are not thinking in the thousands. We're thinking in the ones. <laughs> We've lived in that era so long, it's easy for me to think on the ones and the fives and the tens and not the thousands and the hundreds of thousands. But let me tell you what happened. David looked at that big man. Read your Bible. Not one time did David call him a giant. He did not recognize him as a giant. Saul's gaze stopped on Goliath, but David said, I'm going to look a little higher. 
he had reminded himself of the times in prayer when he would lift up his head and look unto the heavens where his help came from. He said, you can stop with your problem if you want to, but I'm going to look a little higher. I'm going to go to the problem solver. My gaze is not going to stay on the problem. It's going to go to the maker uh, and the solver and the healer and the deliverer, the mighty God of Israel. We can't see what God is doing through carnal eyes. That's why it's so important that we pray and we fast. You cannot be spiritual if you never pray and fast. I'm encouraging our church, every one of you that are hearing me in this building tonight and are hearing me out there in FaceTime Live. We need to be actively engaged in prayer and fasting in our lives so that our gaze doesn't stay on our problems, so that we don't look at the giants and the problems of this life. And the only thing that's going to get our gaze off of that mess is to get in the spirit of prayer and fasting our life and be an overcomer. And the only way you can be an overcomer is Step up to the plate and volunteer. God, I want to do it for the kingdom. When we look through the eyes of the flesh, the problems dominate. But when we look through the eyes of the Spirit, we can see what God is doing. In 2 Kings, Elisha is in Dothan, and the king of Syria was looking for him. So the king of Syria's men sneaked up in the middle of the night and surrounded Elisha's house. When Elisha's servant arose in the morning, this is what he found in chapter 6, verse 15 of 2 Kings. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host come past the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? His gaze stopped with all of that army and all those horses and chariots that were camped around that house. His servant was looking only at the problem. He couldn't see a way out. He could not see how God could possibly be able to deliver them. But Elijah stepped out on the porch, looked up at the enemy, and then he raised his eyes a little higher. And he simply said to this young servant, Son, you're just not looking high enough. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full 
full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I'm telling you, he just wasn't looking high enough. You've got to look a little higher. You've got to look up. You've got to find that place in God that you can be confident in him. You've got to build that relationship with him that you can trust him. The more you know somebody in a positive way, the more you trust them. When you're around somebody and they prove their credibility, when they prove to you they're a man of their word, when they prove to you by their faithfulness and punctuality, you begin to trust them. And when you're around God, if you stay around and, and, and get close to Him, you will fall in love with Him and you will begin to depend on Him as being credible in your life. I'm almost through. If you stop looking when your eyes rest on the enemy, you'll miss the chariots of fire that are protecting you. You'll miss that because you're looking in the wrong place. Peter asked Jesus if he would come out to him on the water. It was a while walking on the water. It was while he was walking on the water toward Jesus that Peter just looked down and the Bible says he saw the wind boisterous and began to sink. What happened was he began to look at those waves and that wind blowing. He began to realize what he was doing. The flesh overcame his enthusiasm. His flesh, his fear overcame that Real desire to be with Jesus. And he began to sink. But when he looked up, got his eyes off the waves, got his eyes off of the things that he knew was a normal event. He knew that sea. He knew about that wind. He was a fisherman. He was very familiar with that sea. And when he got his eyes off of that sea, he was able to see Jesus again, and he was saved. Prayer is what keeps us in focus and looking higher. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart, and all thy soul. We strive to be prayer seeking, worship giving, ministry reaching, Bible teaching, fellowship sharing, soul winning, disciple making, church. But I'm going to tell you, that's not going to happen just because you say you want it. A revival church doesn't happen because somebody says, I want to be a revival church. It takes somebody getting their eyes off of the problems, eyes off of the surroundings, and look up to the Lord and build that relationship. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing 
In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Prayer is all about seeking and communicating with God. And I'll close with this statement. There are three ways to respond to prayer. Dread, when you're not used to praying, it seems hard, and you dread it. Duty, you because you pray because you know you should pray, and we pray because we feel like it's our duty, and so we pray. But the third thing is delight. You pray because you realize the power of prayer. When you have been praying, you feel the strength from it. And you know that you have not because you ask not. You also have seen the results of prayer. And know God hears you when you pray. God bless you. Would you stand?